because you're jumping back into the gap. All right, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome today to get to talk with Sergio Scariolo, who is currently an assistant coach for the Toronto Raptors and the head coach of the Spanish national team and a former EuroLeague head coach. Welcome to the podcast, Sergio. Thank you. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Well, pleasure for me, a real treat. Uh, you have had incredible success at all levels of coaching, and it's going to be so fun to deep dive into so many different things with you. But uh, maybe let's start with something like, what is something from your EuroLeague national team experience and background that you've been that you've been able to bring to the NBA that may not have been as present before or as used before? Well, it would be pretty pretty arrogant, right? Say that I brought there something which was not there before me. Uh, I mean, I think in general, European basketball uh, has a lot to learn and a lot to to add to, to NBA basketball, uh, for sure. Um, the, the big difference is uh, the, the talent, the, the athleticism, the physical talent, uh, the, the skills, uh, which players, uh, which NBA players uh, master at the higher, way higher speed, uh, let's say average, average speaking, uh, than uh, you know most of the European players. Uh, Strategy-wise, um, there are there are a lot of things which uh, which NBA already imported from Europe. Uh, smartest, you know, smartest NBA coaches. Have, uh, have watched a lot of uh, of European basketball and uh, have you know not stolen but <laughs> but copied and and got uh, pretty pretty uh, pretty huge number of of situations of uh, uh, half court uh, sets of uh, baseline out of bound plays for example uh, some defensive adjustment as well. I mean, there is a huge room for for you know for both competitions and for both uh, you know industries to uh, get the best of the other one, and uh, and that's great because you know from from Europe you had to always try to to see what happened in the NBA. Of course, not everything which is is uh, implemented there could be. Could be just uh, you know moved to Europe and used right away, uh, but there is a stuff, and and uh, at the same time there is um, pretty 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 good amount of situations here which which are, are you know have been used in in Europe, which could be uh, reproduced and and, uh, and and actually used in the NBA like like it it actually is. So I feel like you're uniquely qualified in a sense because uh, unlike a lot of other European coaches that are assistants in the NBA, you are currently coaching a team in Europe as well with the national team. So that's why you kind of can go back and forth and apply things. So I'm curious then from the NBA, what are some things that you've taken back to your coaching? 
Uh, well, it's uh, to me is is challenging because I'm shifting from the from uh, assistant coach position to the head coach position, back to the assistant coach position. Uh, global view as a head coach, more specific view as a, a Toronto Raptors offensive coordinator is is a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's, it's challenging. It's it's, uh, it's fun also because I feel that I I have a lot of chances to improve and to and to grow and to learn. And to even uh, let's say demand to myself to be uh, the aid of the situation uh, in both in both uh, uh, both th- both situation both teams in both competitions and uh, so basically um, my my personal challenge is uh, you know try to understand exactly where I am uh, who are my players in that specific moment. Um, what I can I can uh, propose and what is is just uh, um, it's just better to to keep it for a maybe later uh, time. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, it's really interesting to to have this double let's say double uh, function uh, or double double position uh, and and uh, and be able to to you know to respond to the expectations in in both. Well, I love it because I think a lot of coaches are facing this. Obviously, with the pandemic, there was a tons of online learning, a ton of online learning times for coaches, and almost we all got too much information. And I imagine that's a challenge for you too, is you, you, you get some exciting ideas or you learn some exciting things or some new ways of doing something, but you can't use it all, can you, when you go back to your other experience coaching as a head coach? Well, um, most more than than yeah, I, I listened to a few clinics which I was specifically interested into. Uh, but most most of the of the I spend most of my time watching games, watching games. Uh, you know, with a different different view and and mentality, right? Not not having to to you know think how to uh, scout the team or how to play against the team or how to try to stop them or, or how to try to score against their defense but it just just to 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 watch them to enjoy uh, the, the different styles the different systems and try to to get some stuff um, I would say that uh, that uh, uh, after that say uh, quarantine or, or or lockdown of February March and uh, basically, March, April, and May, um, I got some stuff which we use already in June uh, in the in the in the restart in the NBA restart with the with the Raptors. Um, some other stuff there was no time to do it, and we probably we are probably uh, we'll probably able to use it in uh, you know now in uh, from December first in our training camp. Um, but it's true. I mean, uh, there is a lot of information online. You can't, you can't, of course, uh, you know, try to listen to everything, to watch everything, because uh, it's, it's really important that you try also to digest information and to adjust and to understand what is really useful for you, and and uh, and uh, you know uh, what you can reproduce with the with your two different teams. But uh, it's definitely a great time for people who who needs to to you know learn online because there, there have been a lot of information, a lot of different clinics, a lot of 
of uh, you know games and and uh, opportunity to to improve and to and to learn. When you watch these games, were you finding were you watching NBA games? Were you watching European and international games? What were some of the games then? If you can, without giving away a secret, maybe can you give us an idea of one of the things that you took away? Uh, well, basically, basically, I'm watching uh, NBA games and Euroleague games. Let's say mostly. Uh, it doesn't mean that I haven't watched, uh, for example, a uh, um, couple of Champions League games or a couple of uh, ACB League games or a couple of Italian League games or, or um, yeah, mostly this. But, I mean, the, the, you just a uh, percentage of, uh, of my time was spent watching uh, NBA, NBA playoffs, basically, and, uh, and uh, EuroLeague games. So, in terms of uh, what I took was, I can't I can't go too specific because because it's uh, like uh, saying Ed, remember that time that minute in the, that game. Of course, uh, you know it's, it's a little bit difficult to do that. But uh, for example, there have been a couple of situation of five on five half court five on five situation from Barcelona, which I liked. Um, one other from Bayern Munich. Uh, one from uh, Armani Milan. Um, um, I like a couple of uh, very interesting wrinkles uh, of the from the Miami Heat during the the conference final. Uh, I mean, I can tell you a long list, but uh, but uh, the important thing is that uh, you are open to to. I mean, you watch the game with the, with open eyes and. And readiness to, to to catch stuff and and to um, you know try to to uh, say make a picture of what uh, what you saw and reproduce them uh, maybe right away on a paper to and, and and save them you know not to not to forget them. Uh, coach, just focusing on Euroleague, maybe uh, what what are coaches who don't watch the Euroleague yet? What are some things that we can tell them about why they should watch EuroLeague? I watch EuroLeague extensively. What are some things that would say, hey, as a coach, you should watch a EuroLeague because? Well, um, I think that beside the NBA, that's the, the highest basketball level all over the world. I mean, there are a lot of uh, excellent uh, offensive sets. Uh, zone offenses, um, base and out of bound. Um, there is a pretty huge amount of, uh, uh, you know, adjustment wrinkles on on the basic uh, set plays which everybody use. But but uh, you can find you can find interested adjustments. Uh, and you must learn. You, you can learn about players. You can learn about players who are, who are maybe going to play in the NBA in the in the next future, or or who was were were playing in the NBA before and now are playing in Euroleague and they're uh, either struggling or, or succeeding. It's, it's pretty interesting as a, as a basketball fan and even as a professional. I I know that all the the scouts, all the front offices in the NBA. Have one or two person who are following really, really close Europe. This is not to say that one is better than the other, but I'm I'm curious from the standpoint of when you watch offense specifically in the Euroleague, 
you see multiple, multiple actions, masking actions before the main action. You see sets that are a little bit more developed than you would in the NBA where sets seem to be a little bit more direct. Can you talk to that a little bit and explain maybe why we see the differences in that? Well, um, first of all, I think that uh, the set offense is is uh, um, is not that difference. I mean, the big difference is that most of the NBA possessions are are run in a transition mode, without stopping the ball, without stopping the ball and calling a play in a in a running mode, and then uh, you know continuing off uh, off a drag off of uh, of a drag of a double drag, uh, hitting the second trailer and getting into a five out. Um, you know, motion offense or, or stuff like that. Then in the set offense, it's true that maybe Euroleague situation, European situation, overall Europe, uh, are, are a little bit more, maybe ha- they have one pass more or, or uh, here we would like to start the offense on one side, make the difference collapse on one side and then change side to the other, to the other way and, 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 and send the, the strong attack Right on the other side, but again, I, I, I can tell you in the NBA there are many teams who are who are running a little bit longer offense when they are into a set uh, half court set offense. Then of course everybody the, the, here uh, I mean in the NBA is almost inconceivable that if you get an, you know a defensive rebound or or if you have a steal. You just you know walk the ball down and, and call a set play in the NBA. Is just push the push it, uh, throw it away, throw it ahead, or, or or push it to the lane. Try to have a paint touch and, and play off there and go in transition. In Europe, uh, you can still see uh, you know several possessions were not really a high tempo, but again in the in the real set offense, mm, you can see many many NBA teams who are. Who are you know running uh, their offense? Uh, and I wouldn't say following European principle because it's not true. But I say uh, on a on a common path with uh, with most of uh, European. Hey, coach! A quick interruption from this episode for a mention from our supporters, who without them this podcast would not be possible. By using the links I mentioned in these advertisements, it enables me to continue providing this podcast for free for you. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to BetOnline today and use promo code ARMCHAIR. That's ARMCHAIR in all capitals. To take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses, bet online. Your online sportsbook experts. It's cool to hear, and uh, uh, so many coaches. I just encourage you to watch your league if you don't yet. And uh, coach, I, I mean, got to ask you, what is something about Spanish basketball development that the rest of the world? is possibly missing that we don't quite understand because obviously Spanish basketball success has been tremendous in the development of players, the development of teams. It, it, are there a few things that maybe the rest of the world doesn't quite understand about Spanish basketball that's led to this success? Uh, well, I think, you know, uh, 
if you think about Spanish basketball, you have to really separate, uh, let's say, club team like Real Madrid, like Barcelona, like uh, uh, Basconia, like Unicaja, like Valencia, and the national team. I mean, from uh, from uh, the, the, the say the club teams, you can see that most of them are are. Uh, some of the best uh, uh, organized with the with the you know best budget uh, with the best tradition uh, with a solid mentality coming of many many years of top level basketball they they know how to do uh, to put the team in the right condition to to win and and, and to play their I mean to focus only on on playing basketball I mean the best structure. Most of the time, um, you know, fit up and 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 uh, uh, allow the presence of the best teams, the best rosters on the floor. National team is a little bit different because uh, you know we had to we had to go through uh, several different different um, you know moment in our in our history with different um, I would say. Uh, Generations, which uh, uh, you know, that one after each other, after the other one, uh, starting from the the guy who were born in the 1980, like Pau Gasol, Raul, Raul Lopez, uh, Juan Carlos Navarro, all these guys who really made the difference. And there was a, a before and an after that generation. They won the Junior World Cup uh, and, and after winning the European World Championship, and then. They get into the they they uh, let's say inflated into the national team a new new spirit new atmosphere new uh, let's say demanding uh, ambitious uh, challenging um, self confident uh, mentality in order to to you know feel able to compete against everybody uh, that that's what what really made the difference then we had to adjust to to you know the, the Time going by and having them get off their best days and and putting new guys on new generations, guys born on the in the eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, like you know Margasol, Rudy Fernandez, uh, then uh, Sergio Rodriguez, uh, Sergi Yul, and and then getting into the nineties uh, with the you know Ricky Rubio, uh, the Hernan Gomez brothers. Uh, so I mean our our job is more trying to make this change of the generation sustainable uh, and, and taking the best of what the, their, their, the teams, uh, I mean, the club teams are, are doing in terms of uh, developing players in terms of uh, uh, making their, their talent grow. Uh, it's tremendous. It's been so fun to watch and uh, definitely a must-watch team all the time. So, Coach, getting into your technical, tactical philosophy a little bit, I saw in an interview you mentioned two of your non-negotiables, share the ball, everybody play defense. Everything else you can add, subtract, add wrinkles to, but those are your non-negotiables. Is that still still hold true for you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there is um, definitely uh, no shortcut to this. Then, I mean, uh, it doesn't mean that everybody should handle the ball uh, during the same amount of time or, or that uh, everybody should be a great defensive player because this is of course not realistic 
but what I what I want to see is the desire to share the ball and the desire to play defense, the will of uh, of playing for the team offensively and the will of uh, uh, challenging myself to to give my best to my team defensively. Then of course my if I am not a great defensive player, my best will not be the same as 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 you know the a great defensive player best right. But at least I'm I'm putting the effort there, and then trying to go from three to five, or, or to five to from five to six. I will not be a ten, but but uh, you know I will be I will try, I will, uh, and even I will I will show to my teammates that I'm really trying, even if I am mostly uh, an offensive player. And same and same def- uh, you know same stuff, same same um, for the offense. I mean, of course, there are players who have more talent. And who will be allowed to handle the ball a little bit more and, and to take a little bit more uh, difficult shots than, than the, maybe other players. But at the same time, I don't like selfish players. I mean, there is nothing, nothing I mean, there is a big difference from somebody who knows that his responsibility is to score and is stepping up in the hot moments, in the clutch time and, and uh, you know, short clock or whatever. Uh, then people who from minute one on in uh, on after a couple of passes of the of the offensive possession want to take a shot no matter what or or, or you know don't want to recognize that two people are on them and somebody's wide open. Love it, love it, and it's really boils down to pretty simple things, right? Share the ball, play defense as a starting point for the whole culture that you're going to establish. I'm imagining, especially in a short time that you have your team together in these national team experiences. Yeah, um, I, I've been I've been blessed with players who are really embracing this mentality, who want to play, who really want to see the team win and are really not caring that much about their own uh, their own stats, their own numbers. So I've been really I've been really lucky to. Of course, I had to also do my my part of the job, trying to help them and, and to you know and and try to implement and and develop this mentality. But at the same time, I had great great player, great example leaders who uh, were able to you know show with example and 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 say with the with, with the, from peer to peer right for with with players words what do we mean for our identity our uh, style our way of playing basketball uh, putting the team first and uh, uh, understanding that this is the only way um, for us to overachieve like we did during the last uh, I would say, uh, I don't know, 12 years uh, in the international basketball with less, less for, sh- for sure, less uh, athleticism, uh, less physicality, um, a little bit less talent as well. But, you know, playing as a team, being as a family, behaving like uh, a group of people who are really caring uh, for each other, uh, wants to you know a group of, of this kind of a of a characteristic wants to show on the floor that uh, that uh, he really love uh, what he does he, he, he really loves his, his teammates and uh, and you know performing performing as a team in in a, you know long story short 
Love it. Love it. Love hearing it. And uh, I, I know a number of the Toronto Raptors and Raptor nine or five uh, young, young coaches. And they all suggested that one thing I talked to you about is having an A, B and C plan going into a game. Can you talk about that and the importance of that? Well, uh, this is this is coming from my experience. I mean, of course, we work a lot on on our game plan, right? And we spend a lot of hours to watch films and to think about strategies and to and to think about what could work best against that opponent and and uh, so on. But at the same time, we had to be we had to be smart enough and understand that. Uh, uh, I would say uh, I would I don't want to give a percentage, but uh, there is a pretty pretty huge percentage of uh, of cases where uh, I mean your plan A, your game plan, your main game plan is not going to work because the players are are you know for whatever reason are not able to implement it as as uh, coaches thought, or because the opponent is counter is 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 is, is finding a, a counter. Uh, pretty pretty early in the game, or because something changed in your lineup or in the opponent lineup, for whatever reason. So I like to to not to uh, be forced under pressure to improvise and 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 you know invent something brand new, uh, but to spend part of my time before the game to think about what could uh, happen, you know, during the game, what could happen because the opponent, what what kind of a wrinkle, what kind of a of a reaction the opponent could put on the floor. What we sh- what should we do in that case? What could uh, be a second option into our uh, strategy if the first option is not working? I mean, I, I believe that we have to be ready. We have to be ready and respect our opponent and know that uh, uh, there are no games where you start with uh, with uh, you know three ideas and those three ideas will lead you to the win no matter what, no matter who's the opponent, no matter. Uh, if you're making shots or not, I mean, this is a little bit arrogant, right? I, I don't, I don't, I'm not that even either, either I'm not that good or, or I don't want to be that arrogant to believe that, that my game plans are, will be, will be always working no matter what. Such a great point. And uh, like knowing that these are possibilities, how do you convey them to your team? Is this something that you go through during game day walkthroughs or is this just something in the back of your mind that you can adjust within the game. No, no, we get in the game with uh, uh, with our uh, you know main game plan, and especially uh, the, the other option, very very firmly and 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 uh, uh, kind of uh, uh, printed out on our in our pocket. I mean, we we don't want to. Of course, every assistant coach has his own area. But again, we want to make sure that uh, we don't we don't need to see three different three straight consecutive bad possession offensively or defensively to understand that that this is not going to work and and that uh, we had to change a little bit uh, our our strategy. Uh, I mean, I prefer to to you know to work before and to know what uh, eventually can can be perfect. And and uh, you know having having the chance immediately to try what we believe that can work second, or or, or what kind of a you know matchup adjustment we had to put on the floor, or what kind of a set place adjustment or wrinkles 
would be better to use uh, against one lineup or another lineup or with our own main lineup or with our backups, for example. I mean, there are a lot of situations where, uh, which, which, you know, are, are a little bit, uh, are not really getting into our main game plan because you can't, you can't, uh, you know, uh, paralyze uh, by analyze, right? Your, your, your players, um, you know, proposing them too much of a game, too much of a big game plan before the game. It's better keep it for for you as a coach or for you as a coaching staff, and and then use them uh, during the game and just have the players getting in the game with those, you know, four or five uh, offensively or defensively uh, main concept which you believe had more possibility to work. So can you, can you take us into a, a game day shoot and your philosophy around game day walkthroughs, game day shoot arounds? Well, I like to, to start, um, well, that's also depending on, on how many practice we had before. Probably most of the time we, best case scenario, we have one practice before uh, or, or maybe known. So um, we, I would start, Walking through a couple of situations of uh, of our opponent, which we two or three basically, uh, and let's say a fifty percent speed, we know really full contact, which I believe um, are are really the ones who, let's say, which we will now uh, we say struggle to to guard, but which will be more challenging for us to guard, right? And then, then I like to uh, have my team, you know, shoot a little bit in a in a game fashion, taking you know game shots uh, for positions in a, in a different uh, different you know half court on the floor, uh, different different uh, baskets, and then get back all together and work a little bit on our sets. And our sets, of course, means that uh, we will uh, refresh something which uh, we didn't do well in our last game or something which we put in uh you know brand new for that game or or uh sometime we put you know two or three um you know players or coaches uh being like uh, in, a, in a in a shell mode uh, uh, and, and and showing the difference uh our opponent our our Will, will uh, we, we foresee that will that will be uh, showing us at the beginning, uh, and then finish with uh, with uh, you know just shooting and competing. I like to to finish with the shooting competitions, different kind of shooting competitions, giving them you know a, a sweet taste when they leave when they leave the gym after after having competed in a, in a pretty pretty fun way. Maybe coming back a little bit to Spanish basketball, I had a chance to visit uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Barcelona, some places like that and watch some of their youth development. And the one thing that struck me that I brought back to many coaches here is this concept of, of giving players more freedom to be creative, that at a really young age, you saw them be put in situations where they were allowed to come up with solutions that weren't restricted by the coach. I hope I'm making myself clear, but for example, the one hand pass. I was seeing 10-year-olds, 12-year-olds yeah. throw one-hand passes. Can you talk Definitely. about that creativity and that uh, emphasis on allowing players to have freedom? Definitely. Um, I believe that, uh, uh, especially in the, in the Spanish um, you know, schools like 
most of them are, are you know, sections of the of the proteins, right? Yeah. Uh, the big difference also existing here in, in uh, you know, European basketball uh, with uh, with uh, the you know the the, the a, a pro uh, team in you you in US like in the NBA team NBA team can have a G League team a second team but not not of course 14 15 16 18 years old uh, teams it's uh, I mean one of the things which uh, coaches work better here is to teach them teach them how to play it's not a matter only of technique or fundamental it's, it's a matter of teaching them how to use them when to use them and um, against what kind of defensive reaction to use them. This is the main difference I see when I, for example, when I when I watch uh, high school uh, games or or uh, top U18 uh, European games. I mean, um, in Europe, uh, players learn uh, earlier how to play basketball. Um, in, in in most of the high school, uh, there is a lot of, a lot more of talent, a lot more athleticism, but uh, I don't see a really really deep care of uh, you know teaching how to play team basketball, how to how to read and react, and I, and when I when we get in the NBA and we receive players coming off maybe one year college, two years college, this is what we are missing more. That they don't know how to play, but they can, they can know how to play one on one, how to dribble, how to dunk, how to drive, maybe how to shoot, but know how how to uh, you know make the right decision on the floor. The decision making is is you know worked and uh, developed and 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 taking care uh, for sure much more in the U16, U17, U, U18 program in one of the top, of course, European program than in the I would say most. Of the of the U.S. high school. So is that just a question of of you know the drills coaches use and the emphasis they have in practice? Because again, you do see if you go to high school practices, by and large, you see a lot more drill based rather than game based play. Is that really what we would see in the Spanish system? Is we'd see more small sided games, three on three, more game based play? Yeah, you can say that. You can say that. But again, then again, you can you can run three on three, and then and then you know, not not taking care of the t- detail. You had to correct. You had to you had to uh, three on three, two on two, four on four, five on five. You had to make them understand why they are doing something and why they are not doing something. What they will do if the opponent react that way to your initiative. What will you will do if the opponent react in another way to your initiative. Is he giving you a right hand drive? Is he giving you, a, a, you know, a pull up jump shot? Is is he giving you a, a step back three? I mean, um, it, it requires a lot of time and a lot of, of uh, uh, you know instruction and a repetition, and uh, and then you're right. I mean, you get into into your your three or three or four on four. That's the base to to teach player how to play team basketball. I, I love that you said that you have to correct. And I want to emphasize that again, you have to correct because I see so many practices where there's no stopping and coaching and talking about the situations. And mainly, as we've already talked about, talking about the possibilities, because there aren't always just absolutes, right? Players have possibilities, and that's where you can stop and correct and highlight. Can you talk to me about that process of stopping to correct? 
Um, well, you have to find a good balance between have them, you know, go in a in a in a motion in a good flow uh, and uh, and stopping and correcting. Um, it's 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 a matter of uh, recognize what kind of mistake they did because sometimes a mistake is just a mistake. It's not. Uh, let's say an, a, an execution mistake is not a, a decision-making mistake. In this case, uh, most of the time it doesn't doesn't really make sense to stop and, and correct, uh, stop the whole team and correct the player, because we probably would be more effective uh, to you know to uh, bring him into the into the gym uh, next day, uh, half an hour before or uh, after practice having him stay a little bit more in the gym to, to work on a specific fundamentals. But when a mistake is, is pretty much repeated from many players or is a, a you know, repeated decision-making mistake from one single specific player, then you get to a point where, where you have to stop and, uh, and, uh, and correct because otherwise it's going to be extremely difficult for uh, you know, for the players to understand what they have to do, what they are they are supposed to do, um, if they go immediately to the next session, maybe they run up and down the floor two, two three more times, and then they they forget what what they did wrong when you try to recall it in a, in a, you know later on. So it's, it's a matter of. Of uh, uh, I mean, experience gives you that feeling of hey, this is a mistake which we can correct just you know live with your voice, and this is this is a mistake which requires you to stop the whole team and to show uh, that that is a pretty critical you know uh, issue, and you don't want your team take back bad habit uh, repeating that. Hey, coach, a quick interruption from this episode for a mention from our supporters who, without them, this podcast would not be possible. By using the links I mentioned in these advertisements, it enables me to continue providing this podcast for free for you. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair. That's Armchair in all capitals to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Listen up, fellows, because today we have a new Manscaped product alert. Manscaped just released the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. Take a look in the mirror, and I guarantee you'll see hair sticking out of those holes. It's time to keep your ear and nose hair looking as nice as your clean-shaven pubes. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Weed Whacker. The nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate holes. The premium Manscaped Weed Whacker uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. Its intelligently contoured design enhances the trimming experience and it is waterproof, which makes for easy operation and cleaning. Look, fellas, 79% of partners polled admitted that long nose hair is a major turnoff. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. That's 20% off 
with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code armchair. What are you waiting for? Go whack your weed. Thank you, Manscaped, for keeping our pubes trimmed and hairs in our holes looking nice. Now back to the podcast. I love talking about the teaching process and, uh, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get into a little bit of the teaching process with this next topic, which you've obviously made very popular, which is Spanish pick and roll. And maybe let's start with just a general one. Why is it so difficult to defend in your opinion? Well, um, I'm, I'm not sure that it's that difficult to defend, but, uh, um, it's true that uh, uh, there is still kind of a, a surprise factor over there. I mean, a backpick is always something which uh, can happen, uh, can 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 you know happen in many different situations before. But if you add it to a bigger situ- situation, which is already uh, a pretty pretty uh, used and common one, where players are are feeling comfortable and, and probably one of the most used, right, uh, into, into, in, in nowadays basketball. So if you put together the, a situation like pick and roll where uh, players feel comfortable, very comfortable right now, mid pick and roll mostly, and, uh, and the back pick, which is something always pretty, pretty you know, annoying <laughs> or uncomfortable to defend, uh, that probably that mix could be could be uh, you know pretty effective. E- even if I've seen excellent uh, Spanish pick and roll defense re- uh, uh, during this last last years, and I have personally with, with my with my team had to adjust and, and to find new wrinkles and new adjustments, especially new readings. I mean, not new, but but smart readings of what the defense, uh, the best defenses have been trying to do against against this section. Um, in order not to, you know, fold it and, and put it into a drawer, but but uh, trying keep uh, trying to keep using it, but probably in a, in a little bit different way. Well, and it speaks back to the teaching process because uh, the next part of this is obviously it's the decisions that make it so difficult to defend, right? So, what are some of the instructions you give to the ball handler in his decision making when he's using the Spain pick and roll? Well, mostly he has to find the balance between being aggressive, advancing the ball, but uh, uh, making the decision to put his head down and go for a drive only if he's really, really sure that uh, uh, there is a clear path to the basket. I mean, uh, he got to find a way to be at the same time, uh, you know, threatening a drive or a pull-up, uh, but... Uh, in control in order to read if if the lob pass is available or if the swing pass to the guy who's set in the back pick and 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 uh, popping out uh, if he's open. So it's, it's a matter of being it is it's nothing new. I mean you have to be be able to uh, you know make reads at high speed because if you are only aggressive probably you will miss some read. If you want only to read you will miss uh, opportunity to score. Right, so your ball handler got to find that that thin balance between being being aggressive to the rim, but at the same time being uh, a facilitator. If the best option is throw throw a pass to uh, one of your teammates. So you you've talked about uh, some of the details and the subtleties of this. So 
Is there a preferred angle on the back screen to start with? If you're talking to a high school coach that's teaching this for the first time, is there a preferred angle on the back screen? Well, you have to be able to read how the how the ball handler uh, defensive player is playing and how the big guy defensive player is playing. You you don't have a I mean you can have a flat angle which normally for back pick is the is the best starting one, but then you have to be able to to adjust your angle if you read that their defense is different and they are changing their stance. Uh, because they are, they are, you know, they want to be more aggressive, or they they, are, they want to stay more in a drop coverage. I mean, uh, the starting point is a flat, strong back pick. Uh, but for example, if you realize that your man is 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 uh, is out uh, to switch on the ball handler, you have to you know slip out and run away. And what we are trying to do is run away as far as we can from the ball, instead of just uh, you know uh, kind of a you know eight feet away from the ball where maybe that switch small to small switch is going to work better. I mean, it's, it's a, there are many, many different situations which um, you have to be able to uh, recognize, read the reality. And we want to show them uh, to our players beforehand, because as we were saying before, um, that the, the defensive reaction or the offensive reactions are pretty limited. I mean, there is, there is of course, a pretty good number of options but they're not inf- infinite. I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of a, uh, limited to a few ones, especially the most used ones. And you got to you know, know them all in order to be able to recognize them and to be able to choose the, right, the, best, the best reaction when you see that uh, your opponent is, is running that specific uh, reaction to your, to your, to your initiative. So I'm wondering, you know, with all this experience, having used it and been been defended against in many ways through your years, is there a method of defense that you've found to be the most disruptive or the best choice? I mean, assuming you have the personnel to do it. Yeah, but I don't want to do it, to say it. <laughs> <laughs> That's understandable, uh, coach. That's understandable. Yeah, I mean, uh, Can you give us a few then? So we have to, we have to try and guess which one. <laughs> Listen, I mean, at the end of the day, if you if you guard the ball, if you guard the ball, and if you are able to go over the first the first back, I mean, the first um, ball screen in a in a great way, then offensively you are in trouble because because there is one man in front of the ball, uh, no need was was I mean, no help was needed from the big man. Big man can you know try to focus on his own man role to the basket. Uh, so who's guarding the, the back screener uh, is not, doesn't have to, to worry about uh, helping the helper. I mean, when no help is needed, everything is, is, is easier, right? So everything can uh, start from how, uh, uh, how the guy who's on the ball guards the ball. So you talked about wrinkles a little bit. I know one of the wrinkles is the player set in the back screen instead of popping ups is now, you know, flaring to the 45 on a weak side cut so that uh, the defense is distorted in terms of trying to find him or her. So are there some other wrinkles that uh, you can share with us that coaches should look at when they watch, uh, you know, some of these Euro league or NBA games, seeing teams run speed pick and roll? Well, um, 
If you have a pop shooter at the five, you can, instead of making a back pick, make, making a pin in for him. Uh, or instead of a back pick, it can be a pin down where, where the five, instead of getting a back pick, is screening uh, his, uh, I mean, the, 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 say the screening guard, the supposedly screening guard, uh, so setting a screen for him instead of receiving a screen for him. There are different language according to the different, um, again, defensive reaction and how we know they are going to play uh, that picker or the skills of the of the defensive player we are going to play against. But those two, I would say, uh, I mean, the one you mentioned is basically uh, the best one. I mean, instead of popping out on the middle of the floor, popping out to the side and clearing that side in order to uh, not allow the defensive reaction. That's for sure that if, if uh, played well, if, if implemented in the in, in a almost, let's say in an excellent way, that's for sure the best way to play against any kind of defensive reaction. But again, the, those two I added could, uh, could also work, especially again, when, uh, when we are able to read what the big man, what the defensive big man is, is, uh, is doing. Have you had much experience with moving the Spain pick and roll action to different locations on the floor? Because essentially it's a simple action that can be moved. We can run it from the wing. We can run it from the slot, the mid post, wherever. Have you had any experience moving it around? Um, yes, I did. I mean, I do have some more experience of this, moving it more to the side. But um, I, I would say that uh, the nail-to-nail area is still the best way where, where you want to run it. I mean, uh, run, if you want to run it to the side, uh, you have to make sure that your opponent is not good sending the ball to the, to the corner like in a like people call in ice or blue way, right? If, if this, this, this can really uh, bother your your Spanish speaker or if you run it on the on the side. I mean, in the in the middle is much better, and uh, and uh, you'll probably run it against most of the difference you can you you may face in a basketball game. That's cool. It's cool to hear. Uh, obviously, all these differences and all these unique parts of the Spain pick and roll and and all the different actions that are masking it now. So people are hiding what's coming with all these masking actions as well. So it's going to be fun to see it moving forward. Shifting gears a little bit, coach, maybe into scouting reports, because I definitely want to use your expertise You've talked about having short turnarounds, international plays. Sometimes, you know, you only have a walkthrough essentially to get ready for the next game. Can you talk about scattering reports and maybe some of the things that you feel are most important? Well, um, that's interesting because uh, I have in my double with a with a double function. I have at the same time a proposer of a, of a scouting report and a receiver of a scouting report. So. Um, I say that as a, as a head coach, what I want to receive from my assistant coaches is both in, in both the defensive and the offensive game plan proposal, uh, clear ideas about priorities. Uh, so make sure which are the priorities to, to you know, do a good defensive or offensive uh, job on that game. Uh, on the, uh, let's say, difficulties which our player will probably face in the game. And uh, the option we have, um, not just to stop them or to play against them, but to surprise them. 
So uh, as as an assistant coach, when I when I you know give my my offensive game plan to to coach nurse, what I'm trying to do is is uh, make sure everybody know what kind of uh, of uh, uh, defensive coverage we will probably find, which are the different uh, defensive level uh, physically and 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 uh, you know tactically of the difference of a different player we are going to face in that game, which kind of uh, our action would. Uh, probably work better against those coverages, against those players, which kind of our uh, main sets would, would probably work better against them, and uh, what kind of a different defense we may face, let's say, um, different than the men, that, you know, their straight basic man-to-man defense. This is mostly what I want to make sure that, uh, that uh, I'm able to, uh, you know, trying to, to send to my head coach and and uh, most of the time it's just okay I get it and just just bring it to the player and make sure they they are on board well and again you brought up the Raptors experience with playing multiple defenses and different things like that but also there's just more switching you know happening at all levels of basketball so I'm curious then how much detail do you go into or would you go into for individual matchups, especially knowing that different players are going to end up with different matchups throughout this switching process? Well, um, first of all, I'm, let's say from a system point of view, I want to make sure that my switching is from a defensive standpoint, I want to make sure that my switching is effective. I mean, I don't want I don't want my team be, to become a switching team because players are lazy because they they find it easier. I want I want to have numbers. I want to have uh, a proof that what we are doing is really working, and I want to to you know uh, interface different different options and and uh, you know make a confrontation from one uh, one one coverage. With the, with the switching, uh, in which situation is working better, in which situation is not working, with which players is working, with which players is working a little bit worse. So I don't like the switch just for the sake of it, right? I, I think that we have to, the bottom line is we have to be effective. So if our switching difference is effective because we, uh, let's say the, the switching partners are, are are both able to to you know guard mismatches without needing too much of a help around. That's fine for me. That's great. But if we had to start to make double teams, uh, over second, uh, collapsing, uh, leaving players open, uh, you know, too much of a of a uh, speculation to support. Uh, to switching partners, we who are not able to to you know to guard and to and to hold their 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 new opponent in a pretty much straight one on one way, then it's when my my you know alarm lights start flashing into my head and say, wait, I want to make sure that uh, we are doing this kind of a of a coverage. We are switching because it's really working, not because. Um, you know, let let alone short clock situation. I mean, it can be five seconds, six seconds, or eight seconds, whatever. That's a different issue. But in general, at the beginning of the possession, 
I wanna. I, I'm not a big a big fan of uh, uh, again switching for the sake of. Great stuff, Coach. I mean, so so much experience and, and so much knowledge, and uh, maybe just as we wrap this up, throughout your extensive coaching career across the globe, what are some of the most important lessons you have learned as a coach? Well, to learn, that's a lesson. You always can learn, always, from any colleague, any professional, any non-professional coach. I learned a couple of drills from, from coaches who were uh, coaching my, my, my own son when he was under 14, under 15, under 16. I mean, be ready and open to learn. Go watch other guys coaching, not to criticize or to or to... Uh, say to yourself, I can do that. I am better than that. But just try to 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 really be open and and uh, keep your heart humble, uh, humble and and uh, open to to understand wh- why he's doing that. Would would that work with you? Could could you still uh, something? Could you think over what you saw and and make it uh, you know a way of uh, a point of improvement? For, for your own knowledge, for your own system uh, to learn. And the second is listen. And when I say listen, mostly I would say listen to your players because they, they are probably the ones who can uh, really help you more in, in, in improving as a coach and in understanding what your team needs to be, to be a better team. So... Put them in a in a in the right atmosphere. Uh, make them be comfortable to tell you what they really feel, not what you want to hear from them, but what they really feel like they want to communicate to you. And then, you know, allow them to finish their speeches. I mean, don't interrupt. Uh, make sure you are really listening with your ears and with your brain activated. I mean, be a good listener in, 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 uh, to, make it, to make a long story short. Be a good learner and be a good listener. Oh, that's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing the game with us, Coach. Uh, for any basketball coaches out there, the EHCB Coaches Academy online program is something you need to check out featuring Coach Sergio and 19 other basketball masterminds. I really encourage you all to check it out. There really is no other program like it. Go to at headcoachesorg on Twitter or headcoaches.org slash coaches-academy uh, on the website. And uh, Coach, thank you. Thank you for sharing the game with us. No problem at all. Thank you. Thank you for hosting me. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things Basketball Immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter. Thank you.